Welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and we're going to talk about the kingdom of God. And uh, he sent a post off to the network uh, with uh, previous shows from some time ago that uh, are part of the topic that we're going to deal with today. But we're going to dig deeper today. And we're going to, we're going to, you know, this, and you know, when I dig deeper, I'm hard on you. <laughs> so, but... As many as I love, I also rebuke. That is a principle of the gospel. When you gather in your congregations, if you're gathering in the name of Christ, you're going to gather in the name of truth. You're going to speak the truth. You're going to speak the truth with one another. And you're going to challenge one another. And some people don't like to be challenged. They just, they're, they're about feelings, about what they feel. They may have some good intentions. But they can be steered wrong by their feelings. They have to be steered solely by the Holy Spirit. Well, how do you know you're being steered by the Holy Spirit? How do you know if the Holy Spirit is guiding you or some other spirit that has gotten within you is giving you feelings that say, do this or do that? You know, like the old cartoon where you got a devil on the one shoulder and an angel on the other. Which one is telling you, do this, do this. No, you should do that. And for some reason I'm hearing the music again on the radio. I'm going to keep on going. Um, Hopefully they'll get this worked out. But uh, this this week uh, we are... uh, looking at the news and some of the things that are going on in the news and those things that are going on in the news are actually uh, telling us about ourselves and uh, if you want to know the future of what's going to go on in the news tomorrow you need to study the past and people are all getting ready for an election this is an election year 2016 And uh, they're trying to figure out who is going to be the commander-in-chief of the United States here in America. And, of course, there's events going on in other countries all around the world. And all these economies, all these societies are now tied together like never before in history. If one economy collapses, you know, it can affect all the other economies around the world. And we've had recessions before. And people come through those recessions. And sometimes they call a recession a depression. And, uh, you know, millions of people will lose their homes, their life savings, their jobs. Everybody in the country, the money in their pocket will lose its value. But things keep clipping along. It's kind of like having an L.A. earthquake. Have an L.A. earthquake, you lose you lose some bridges, you lose some buildings, and maybe some people are killed. And everybody kind of gets together and they work on it and, you know, they make things come back. Now, somebody may have lost everything. Somebody may have died. Somebody may have been injured. But life goes on. Throughout history, there have been quakes like the uh, quake that took place 100 years before Lewis and Clark got to Oregon. That was massive. I mean, it sent tidal waves all the way across to China and Japan. Uh, it sent tidal waves in Oregon and Washington and the Olympia, uh, where we have huge cities now in the same place that the tidal wave came in 100 years before Lewis and Clark. 
Now we're talking millions of people dying. Bridges, infrastructure, pipelines, gas, oil, stopping. And, you know, for a large portion of the West Coast. And uh, those those, uh, events actually uh, evidently went all the way up and down the coast. You know, could affect all the way down to California, Los Angeles, everything. Massive changes could take place in in the West Coast. At the same time, we know that some of the largest earthquakes that ever took place in America took place in the Midwest on the New Madrid Fault, which could be triggered at the same time. We're talking. We're not talking about these little earthquakes like seven pointers and. Uh, six-pointers that cause millions of dollars worth of damage in some localized area, San Francisco quake, Northridge quake, these different quakes that have taken place in the last 50 years. I was in some of these quakes. Um, and uh, buildings were destroyed. Bridges sometimes were destroyed. Uh, almost aqueducts, 20,000 people evacuated because an aqu- uh, because a uh, one of the reservoirs was about to... Uh, you know, a couple more quakes in the reservoir would have given away. Those earthquakes are nothing compared to what could happen. And shake all across the country, changing the entire landscape. But that's not even the biggest disaster that could happen. More, greater disasters can happen and have happened throughout history. Just not in our recent history. But, now, what about other events, not geological well, economically, we already mentioned the fact that economically you can have this massive recession that can affect countries worldwide and not come back from it because it could be coupled with a cataclysmic event. Then, then we have uh, political. Uh, political scenes have changed. You know, presidents and prime ministers have gotten tremendous power. Uh, you've got Merkel in Germany who's just invited an invading army into their country that is uh, raping and uh, robbing their citizens. Uh, you know, in, in this going on all over Europe, in Sweden. Uh, Denmark doesn't let them in, but Denmark just had somebody who was being raped by one of these immigrants. But they, they got status in one of the other countries. But because their leaders had signed the European Union... These people just get to walk into their country and somebody was trying to rape a girl, young girl, uh, tearing off her clothes, uh, ripping at her, fighting with her, and she's trying to resist. Finally, she pulled out a little little can of pepper spray that was evidently in her purse and sprayed the guy. She was, she was losing the battle. She sprayed the guy and that ended it. The guy went off uh, trying to find some way to wash the pepper spray out. Uh, not not dangered uh, lethally or in any way, but he just went off probably to try to rape again another day, but he'll just make sure she doesn't get out her pepper spray. He'll hit her or something and knock her out and then rape her. So anyway, she reports it, and she's arrested. She's facing three months in jail because she had pepper spray, and that's against the law. And, uh, you know, it's against the Anti-Weapon Act in Denmark. Crazy, isn't it? She may go to jail because she... And, and you know, you, you hear people talking about, you know, in Saudi Arabia, you, a woman gets raped. And she actually can go to jail. 
and uh, she can't even prove she was raped unless she has four witnesses. And so it's just created a huge area. I mean, uh, taxi cab drivers uh, were all men, and, and because uh, of the uh, women are not allowed to drive in that country uh, because of the their interpretation of the Muslim faith. And now they have uh, taxi cab drivers for women. In other words, women taxi cab drivers for women. Women can drive other women around. They can't drive men around. Because if they did, the men could rape them. <laughs> Once they got them out in the, in the... But the taxi cab drivers would get a woman in a car to move her. She can't drive. She's not allowed to drive in that country. Then move her, take her somewhere, and rape her. And then finish taking her somewhere. And she can't prove it. She can't do anything about it. And even if she reported it, she could go to jail. Because she allowed it to happen. Of course, what allowed it to happen is the mentality of the people, the, the mentality of the leaders, the laws that they have. They, the people are legally allowed to rape one another. And we think that's crazy. Well, Denmark allows that, evidently. A woman can't defend herself. You can go in England. They, they, you know, if somebody breaks in your house, you're just supposed to stay in bed and not get out and hope they don't bother you. You can't even go pick up a butcher knife in the kitchen and defend yourself. That's illegal. To defend yourself against somebody who broke into your house and intends to rob you, rape you, murder you, you're not allowed to defend yourself in England. This is going on all over in, in Sweden. Uh, thousands of women are being raped by these these people that are being brought in. Now, now they're all not all bad, but there's enough of them that are coming in. You look at the boats, and it's just full of young men, and they're getting to do it with impunity. Of, of the thousands who were raped in just uh, not even a year, eight months, uh, three hundred of them were children that were raped. They like raping children, and they get away with it. And, and the people in those countries are living in fear, and their government won't do anything about it. As a matter of fact, if they do something about it, they could be arrested by their government. So, it's crazy. It's insane. What you're seeing is what you've been dreaming about. You've known. You've had all the signals. People have dreamed about this, wrote stories about this, and they call it zombie apocalypse. Where people are actually, you know, just, just a story the other day. Some kids saw this big snowstorm coming back east in New Jersey and they went from house to house telling people that they would shovel out their sidewalks and driveways and everything during the storm. Elderly people, people... I mean, there's women who die trying to shovel out the snow because nobody's there to help. These guys are going around saying they're going to help and they thought they could make a few bucks and people would be glad to pay them. It's only going to be this snowstorm and then they will have to go do something else. They're young, young men. The police said they can't do that without paying $450 to the the state. You know, to the county or state, whoever it is, because they're soliciting business. It's just in their neighborhood. And it's they're doing it with shovels. They're not getting huge machinery or equipment. It's not a commercial operation. It's a way of helping their neighbor and making a few bucks. And it could be saving lives. Police not interested in that. Not applying any common sense. Zombie policemen. They don't see. They don't understand. How do we get to the point where so many zombies are walking around regulating people's lives and don't see it? Now, 
in the news also, uh, Charles Lavoie uh, Finnegan was shot and killed. Uh, it, the first reports was it was a traffic stop. Well, it wasn't a traffic stop. That's a lie. They, when if they say a traffic stop, that that is absolutely not what it was. It was an ambush. They were ambushing them supposedly to legally and lawfully arrest them. But they were extremely heavily armed. Uh, while these guys, there evidently were a few sidearms in the car, all legal in this this state, and uh, they were traveling to go see a sheriff and hundreds of ranchers. The meetings that Finnegan and and uh, Amon Bundy were going to were having more and more support. Support was growing even in the local community. Yes, more than half the people wanted them to go home. Some of the people wanted them to go home were actually in support of what they did, but they didn't like their tactics. I think their tactics were foolish. And they were blind to that. And uh, you you couldn't talk them out of it. They were so passionate about what they were doing. And we'll talk about them probably in greater detail later on, but the reality is they have an argument, a constitutional argument, that the lands don't belong to the state. The argument does does fall short eventually when you take in all the history of the state and the people and what's been going on because the constant and, and it's not article um, uh, the articles that about owning property that is uh, allows the government to control that property but it's the your right to contract and the protection of contract. And this is something we've talked about in the last few shows and has been a part of this series, so people can go look at that. We talk about it on our website at Preparing You. Uh, because Preparing You is by the people. Now, I'm there a lot of times and put up things, but we have people reviewing the information and people spreading the information, and you should be doing it too, so that people understand what's going on. And again, I say we have to study history in order to know the future. To understand the present, you have to study history to know what's going on. Why the zombie apocalypse? Why are so many people seem to be completely unreasonable? Because I see people actually, you know, hoping that, they, that, that the people there at the refuge would be killed. Uh, talking about uh, Finnegan as having some sort of uh, uh, suicide complex. Uh, the reality is, I mean, we don't say that about a soldier who goes and jumps on a grenade and saves his buddies. It's very clear that when he was coming out of the car, he was moving away in a circle, drawing their attention. They'd already been fired at, according to eyewitnesses in the car, and fired at before, which is partly why they left where they had been stopped. And uh, they had said, we're going to see the sheriff. We're going to see the sheriff. And they, they believe that the sheriff is the constitutional officer. If you want to arrest them, you have to arrest them with the sheriff. And there is some validity to that argument. But uh, the reality was that, you know, Bundy met regularly with the FBI, walked in without a gun, was surrounded by men with machine guns and flak vests, stood there and talked with the FBI. And if they wanted to arrest him, they could have arrested him any time. And the same thing with uh, the other men. These men were all virtually very little arms with them, if any. Uh, I think there was a sidearm with a few guys in the vehicles. 
And they were going to a meeting of people where they could have been met in open daylight in a parking lot, surrounded by FBI agents and taken into custody. There would have been no, you know, if anybody struggled, they could have stopped them easily. There's no reason to have a, you know, Bonnie and Clyde shootout in the darkness of the forest in the night to get these people. You could have got them uh, numerous ways without this kind of uh, shooting involved. They made themselves available. They weren't barricaded in. Now there are a few guys that were barricaded in. But, you know, there was a lot of the people that were there that were not, not good people. There were a lot of people there that were undercover people. You know, the place was crawling with undercover people. I could name you who some of them were. Um, this is the way they operate. They, and, and I don't blame them for operating that if these men were really super dangerous or even dangerous. But they weren't all that dangerous. They have a legitimate beef. Today, uh, another rancher in Texas is told that he can't go on his property anymore. Uh, miners have had their land just simply uh, confiscated through eminent domain, which the federal government doesn't have the right to do. They have to pay them for it. Um, they we, uh, we show videos where the government is bragging about stealing land that's worth $40 million from two old veterans uh, the, by paying them only $2.5 million for what they knew was worth $40 million. They had already been accumulating $30 million in order to pay for this, but then somehow or other they finagled it so that they could steal this land from these two guys. And the way they do it is agencies that they sick on them, eating out their substance, making it hard for them to do anything, and uh, and coerce them into selling. And they've done that here at the Mulher Refuge. They've they flooded land, and then uh, knowing that they would flood land, told by the ranchers, you'll flood the land if you do this. They did it anyway, flooded the land, and forced the ranchers to sell for pennies on the dollar. I mean, this is what they're doing. And they think it's good. In their minds, they think it's good. Zombie apocalypse. They, they're eating out the substance of people. And they think it's good. And there's a bill sitting on the desk of the now commander-in-chief to take a huge area and make it a monument. And when they make it a monument, 400 more ranchers will lose their land. Hundreds have already lost it. Hundreds more are going to lose their land. And it's not going to be raising food for you and the economy. Uh, they're, they're going to turn these areas into poor areas. Poorer than they already are because the, the county used to be the richest. Now it's the poorest county because they've been gobbling up the land. This isn't, you know, land that was not used and set aside. You know, people just don't study. If you only watch the news, you're not going to know what's going on. But what's really going on? Because we say we're going to dig deeper. What's really going on here that's making this happen? This zombie apocalypse. Well, you have to take get a permit to to do almost anything and everything. And is that good? Well, most people don't care because they feel good. They get to turn on TV. They get they have a job. They're secure. They're safe. They're not really worried about the hundreds. Thousands of people that are losing their life savings, losing their uh, their inheritance, losing you know their businesses, losing their ranches. Uh, millions upon millions of acres have gone 
into the federal government's hand. They have gotten the mineral rights and they are taking over this ground and you think it's for the, your good, but it's actually they're going to sell these mineral rights. They already are. BLM already sells mineral rights to, uh, to often foreign interests and those foreign interests are making the money and taking it out of the country. And they have to sell it to foreign interests because years ago the same leaders in government took down all the safeguards that we used to have to protect you American businesses and and created this other uh, type of economy. International corporations thought it was good because then they could they have just literally bled America dry until it's billions of dollars in debt, trillions of dollars in debt. And now you're about to elect another president who either either the mindless people you can see the interviews that they go the street interviews where they ask people you know like uh, when was the uh, Declaration of uh, Independence uh, that uh, from 1776 when was it signed and people say I don't know 1987 you know he just said. 1776, and they they couldn't make it out. Ask people, what about World War II? I don't know anything about World War II. They said, do you know when it was? No. Do you know who fought? Bush and uh, Saddam Hussein? <laughs> These are people who've graduated from your high schools. They have no idea what's going on. They know nothing about history. I remember years ago, working with somebody at the local school, fixing their house, and they were bragging about the fact they no longer teach history in school. Uh, they, you know, he was bragging about the fact that the kids were sent home with the assignment of know who all the major college football teams are. That was the assignment. But they don't teach history anymore. Uh, you, and you keep sending your kids to those schools as if they're going to learn something. And we can show you back in the 50s, back in the 30s, they altered what kids were learning in school to alter the way they think. To turn them into zombies. To turn them into mindless, selfish zombies. And now that's what you're getting. You know, all the studies show that the kids graduating from high school, graduating from college now, know less than the kids did 20, 30 years ago. Your average high school graduate knows less than a grade school graduate used to know. A grade school graduate knew more than your average high school graduate. SAT scores down are across the board all around the country. Yet more and more money is spent on the education. What's happening? Why do people know less? And there's all kinds of reasons. You can, you can go study that out. But it's all leading to this zombie apocalypse. People do not care about their neighbor anymore. As they, they're certainly not as much as they care about themselves. And this is to bring about your destruction. To absolutely now, this isn't some guy with a white cat deciding this, but they are intend to bring about your destruction. Who does? What's really going on? What's really going to happen? We're going to talk about that when we return to Keys of the Kingdom, and then we'll talk about what you can do about it.
The Lord openeth the eyes of the blind, and the Lord raiseth them up that are bowed down. The Lord loveth the righteous. This is Psalms 146.8. God's love opens your eyes. It takes the scales off your eyes. But in order to receive God's love, you must be willing to see. But if you think you see already, then Christ talks about you will be made blind. This is part of the teachings that Christ gave us. Jesus said, For judgment I am come into this world that they which see not might see, and they which see might be made blind. Well, he's talking about those who think they already know. And so what we're doing in these series is trying to show you what Christ was trying to help people see. And Peter would say the same thing, that through covetousness, that you would be made merchandise. You would curse your children. You, you would go back and become entangled in the elements of the world. That is the cause. When we talk about contracts in the world and of the world, we're simply talking about systems and agreements where you can actually see the evidence of the fact that you're already in agreement with ideas like one purse, like eating at the table of kings, uh, benefactors who exercise authority. And they're not really benefactors. They only give you what they take away from others. These are the fathers of the earth. These are the terminologies. And we show you the history. We show you how this applied back then. We show you how it applied throughout the ages. We show you how it applied in our t- times today. But it is absolutely essential that you change what you are in agreement with. That's repentance. You're in agreement with the idea that it's okay to covet. It's okay to desire what belongs to your neighbor for your personal benefit. And it's okay not to forgive. Christ's love will open your eyes. But it also will be like hot coals upon the head of those who do not want to see. They will hate it. If Christ is in you, if you're coming in the name of Christ, you need to be coming with a desire to serve, to forgive, to be a righteous individual. That is your desire. And you need to act. Not just say, Lord, Lord, but actually become a doer of that word. And then His love can bless you. His grace. If you only love those who love you, if you only love those who help you, care about you, that are close to you, what grace have you? This is what it says. I want you to keep that in mind. Do not get carried away with contracts and jurisdictions and laws, etc. Keep in mind that this is about coming into agreement with Christ. And join the network. Find other people seeking the kingdom of God and His righteousness. That daily ministration based on faith, hope, and charity and the perfect law of liberty. A government that does not exercise authority, but exercises love and charity and hope. And until then, peace on your house. And may God be with you.
So welcome back to the Keys of the Kingdom. So what what can we do about it? How how much else is going to be affected? What what does history tell us? Well, you like I said, you're in an election year and you're trying to elect a new commander in chief. You know what they used to call the commander in chief in Rome? I mean, the actual the actual word, if you were to say it in Latin, that would be translated into commander in chief today is imperator. Now, if I told you, so the election for your emperor is coming up, you would say, no, no, he's just the president. Well, no, he's not just the president. The president is the chief executive officer of Washington, D.C., of the federal government in Washington, D.C. That's what the president is. But he holds another office, which is commander-in-chief. He's the commander-in-chief of the military. And he also has another office that is called Apotheos, because he's allowed to pick all the federal judges throughout the United States. I mean, Bill Clinton, one day, uh, the Air Force One was parked on the tarmac, and he fired all the federal judges in the United States. Just fired them. And, uh, and then he hired them back, but I'm sure they all didn't get hired back. I, I never got to see the list of who was hired and who was fired. Everybody was fired, but who was hired back? And then, why do that? Uh, are they now being paid by somebody different? Is the paymaster somewhere else? They're all hired back, but by who? By somebody under his authority. Are these all administrative courts now uh, that are can get their job back under certain conditions? Well, Clinton did that, but it wasn't in the news. You know, it was in the news that he held the plane Air Force One up on the tarmac because he had to get his hair cut. That was the leading news that day. No, no mention hardly in the news media that all the federal judges throughout the United States were fired. So what was really going on? You don't know, and you don't need to know. It's the zombie apocalypse. You're all zombies. You just you just hear what they tell you and you go on. You know, and most of you don't even listen to the news. And you would think, well, that you'd probably be better off. I mean, Jefferson said that if you want to be well-informed, stop reading the newspaper. Find another source. I could say go check out the Internet, but you don't even know how to listen to the Internet. You don't even know how to check things out on the Internet. Because I see stuff going on all the time that just ain't true. And so, But you need to have somebody vetting the information that's coming to you and pointing out, well, that source is not good because of this, this, and this. And, and But, you know, who who's going to do that for you? Well, nobody's going to do that for you. You have to do it yourself. And this is, we're getting near the key now. The source of your salvation. See, you have to care about knowing the truth. You have to want to know the truth. In order to want to know the truth, you need to want to know the truth about you. Because you're going to vet the information that comes in. To you. You're going to have to weigh it against something else. You can't just look for the convenient truth. You have to look for the whole truth and provide for it. And and many of you aren't willing to do that. You know, Patrick Henry was talking about knowing the whole truth and providing for it. Well, the whole truth includes the truth about you. Because, see, you're the problem. You're the problem. Because you're the one who vets the information that comes in in order for you to get your right mind 
on in order to distinguish between truth and lie. You have to see the truth about you. And you're no saint. You're not perfect. You are not seeking to know the whole truth. You have not been. You can change that. That's the only thing you can really change. Is you can start being willing to receive the whole truth. But evil is going to lurk in you. Anytime you balk at the truth that God is trying to show you. This spirit of life. This spirit of truth. This this tree of, of uh, life. That is you. They see you're... We've talked about this before. The tree of life and the tree of knowledge are two separate trees in the same garden. Those are metaphors for you, for your brain. Your intellectual brain is the tree of knowledge. But also in you is the tree of life. It's like an antenna system with branches and everything. It's actually in you. It's, it's part of you because you're alive. It's in you. And it can receive information and vet that information so it knows this is true, this is not true. And it will tell you. And it won't just be a gut feeling. It will be a knowing. And that knowing we call faith. And that faith will control your actions. Most of people, what they think is faith is tree of knowledge stuff. They read it in the Bible so they know it's true. Except uh, the, lots of people read the Bible and they get different interpretations of what it says. They, and, but people say, well, but it's obvious it says this. Well, it's obvious to you because, but you could be in your tree of knowledge deciding that. When you're in your tree of life, you will look very much different when you see the truth. You will act very much different. There will be things that you just cannot do because faith, in the tree of life, in the Holy Spirit, in the Spirit of Christ, the anointing of Christ. What is, people always talk about believing in Christ. That's believing in the anointing. If you say, I believe in Christ, you're saying, I believe in the anointing. That's, that's what you believe in. And it's the anointing of the Holy Spirit. It's the oil of the Holy Spirit that you believe in. And it's guiding your action. It's probity. It's going to... It's going to force you because you choose to believe in it, choose to follow it. It's going to force you to act a certain way. And we will see you acting in that way. If we don't see you acting in that way, we know that you're not really receiving the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And Christ talks about what that way looks like. Over and over again, he talks about what that way looks like. Christianity was called the way. You will know them by the fruit of what they are doing. And you will know whether or not you are listening to the Holy Spirit or not listening to the Holy Spirit by what you do. What you do will tell you whether that feeling that you have is of the Holy Spirit or of another spirit that is not so holy. And this is how you vet the truth. This is how you know the truth. But you're only going to know it if you want to know it. You see, because you'll deny it. You'll say, no, no, it is the Holy Spirit. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm gossiping, I'm backbiting, I'm, 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 I'm causing division, I'm, I'm injuring other people. But I don't even see that. I don't see myself injuring. I'm just, you know, I'm speaking the truth. And you'll be okay with injuring other people. 
spreading falsehoods. I mean, you'll find out you were telling the falsehood about somebody that wasn't true, and you won't come back and say, oh, my goodness, I had the wrong information. You won't, you won't reveal that you had the wrong information, and that you were in error. Because you're not really interested in the truth, you're interested in what you look like. Because what you look like gives you, you that feeling. You know, of course now, that's none of you out there. I'm talking about other people, right? No, it's all of us. All of us do these things. To lesser, greater degrees. It doesn't condemn us. But it doesn't draw us near to God. What draws you near to God is sacrifice. Giving up your stuff. Giving up your comfort. Giving up your pride. And immersing yourself in humility. Be willing to speak out and take the flack for what you do. What you say. You know, the Bible is very clear. The Bible is telling us all these things all the time. You know, Romans 2.6. Who will render to every man according to his deeds. And I use Romans uh, chapter 2 verse 6. That he's talking about according to your deeds, according to your works, according to what you do. Because it's Paul, the same guy who wrote that, you're saying, he says, we're not saved by works. Well, of course we're not saved by works. Because we can't do enough work to be saved. It's still going to always be by grace. But if you're not doing what Christ said, then we know you don't really have faith in Christ. Because if you had faith in Christ, you couldn't help but do what Christ said. You would have to do what Christ said. Because your faith compels you. Your choice is whether to have faith or not. Not faith in your tree of knowledge, the information in your head, but faith in the actual tree of life that is vetting the information that you receive and showing you which information is valid and how it fits together. This is actually how it works. It doesn't work that way with the zombies. Zombies are all over there in their tree of knowledge. And they often have less and less knowledge. You know, the average brain size of people in the world today, especially Americans, is decreasing. Statistically, they're getting smaller. What, what, why is that? Well, there's a number of reasons. We won't go into that. But uh, that's statistically speaking. So we're talking about numbers here. The average American's brain is shrinking. Statistically. Now, some people are actually getting smarter. <laughs> but, but there's enough people getting dumber that we're seeing a division taking place. But Romans uh, 2.7 goes on to say, to, to them who by patient continuance in well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality eternal life. What, what, what must you do to obtain eternal life? Keep the commandments. That's what Jesus says. You believe in Jesus, right? Jesus says, if you want eternal life, you have to keep the commandments. In patient continuance. By well-doing. No, no, no. You just have to believe, right? That's what they're telling you. That's a lie. That is not... If you fall for that, goofy, ridiculous contrary teaching that all you have to do is believe. Yeah, well, it's true. Yeah, it's true. All you have to do is believe. But you have to really believe. 
And how do you know you really believe? By your fruits, by what you're doing. And you're not doing it. You're not doing righteousness. You're doing unrighteousness. So you don't have eternal life. You don't really believe in Jesus. You don't really have faith. You have faith in an idea that you've constructed or other men constructed in your mind. Because you would be doing something different. Now, we're, we're interested in saving everybody. Pro- providing refuge for everybody during the real zombie ap- apocalypse. But I'm afraid if you're a zombie, uh, we're not letting you in. And you're already being excluded. If you're not following the Holy Spirit. Now, how do you know? Again, how do you know if you're following the Holy Spirit? Well, let's go on. What does it say in verse 8? But unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath. You know, so so he's, he's telling you that you don't obey the truth. You're not interested in the truth. You're interested in feelings. And those feelings are actually causing you to do things that are not cast up. And when that's pointed out to you, you think, no, there must be something wrong with the people that are pointing it out to you. Kill the messenger. Well, you may not want to kill the messenger, but you don't want to listen to him either. Tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil. Of the Jew first and also of the Gentile. Boy, that's a that's a warning. That's a warning telling you. Now, what did Jesus tell us to do? We're supposed to come together. We're supposed to love one another. We're supposed to take care of one another. We see the first century church having a daily ministration because everybody, everybody who got the baptism of Jesus was kicked out of the welfare system of the day at Pentecost. Anybody, we see that in John. Anybody getting the baptism of Jesus Christ or John the Baptist would be cast out of the social welfare system, the Corbin system that was making the Word of God to none effect because it was based on force. And and John the Baptist, Jesus Christ, said it should be based on love and charity for one another. And it wasn't. They had based it on a government program where you had to pay in and they would take care of your parents and they would take care of the blind and they would take care of the indigent of your society. Through a social welfare system. That's what Corbin was. Now, it used to be by free will offerings. Old Testament. Free will offerings. Free will offerings. Free will offerings. Which, of course, is charity. The tithe was the tax of the government. Except it wasn't forced. It was voluntary. And you could pay any minister you chose to be your minister in a network of tens, hundreds, and thousands. And you would pay them 20% of what you earned. And with that, you know, you might pay them more than 20%. If you're a rich man, you could afford to pay them 50%. But what, But if you if you pay 20%, a rich man is going to pay more than a poor man. But everybody had to pay in. Just to step up to the table, you had to give in, you know, it was a half shekel, about a dime, every year. Just to say, I'm anteing up. I'm going to be a part of this network of tens, hundreds, and thousands. And then you were expected to give a share of everything you produce. At least 10% would go right to your minister directly. There were other tithings for the poor and for uh, for the national government at different of uh, these feasts. 
But you were the government of the people, for the people, by the people. That's where that came from, from the, from the Wycliffe Bible. It didn't come from Abraham Lincoln. That phrase came from the Wycliffe Bible. This is the book for the government of the people, for the people, by the people. This is what Moses preached. This is what Christ preached. This is what the early church did. They gathered together in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. A deacon was a leader of ten. That's what the word really means. It comes from diaconus and Dechen and all these words you see throughout the church, throughout Rome, throughout um, Europe, throughout North Africa, tens, hundreds, and thousands. It wasn't until Constantine that you started getting a thousand people picking one minister through an election process. I mean, you don't even do that anymore. What most people don't know is that Imperator, that commander-in-chief in Rome who was in charge of the army and the navy, took an oath of office, was elected by an electoral college, and he ruled over the people. He, he chose all the judges throughout the empire. He was the chief executive officer of a city, Rome, a municipality, and he had a term of office. But within not very many years, suddenly he wasn't even taking his oath of office. And, of course, that's what goes on today. They're not taking their oath of office. They're, they're not really doing it. I mean, it's it's all a kind of hush-hush thing, but uh, uh, you, you're not even allowed to see it. I mean, you didn't with the last president. Uh, this, but it doesn't, you know, your problem is not the president. The problem is you again. I mean, I, I hear a lot of people want to vote for Trump. If you're going to vote for Trump, go look at a speech made by Mussolini. Uh, I think it was in, was it in Toronto or someplace? Uh, Terranato? Uh, just look up Mussolini's speech on uh, YouTube and watch, watch his body gestures. <laughs> and then go watch... Trump in an interview. <laughs> it's kind of spooky. <laughs> but he's the strong man. That's why people want him. And that's why people wanted Mussolini. And, uh, I mean, show it to Trump, too, because he should know, because we know what happened to Mussolini. <laughs> well, us who have studied history know what happened to Mussolini. A lot of people don't even know there was a World War Two. <laughs> so, uh, uh, anyway... That's their election. What are you electing to do? Are you electing to follow Christ? Then where's your daily ministration? How are you taking care of the widows, orphans, and needy of your society? How do you take care of your parents? Do you depend upon the Corbin of the state? Do no more ought for your parents or do very little for your parents? Are you do doing? Are you trying to become free? Then try to become to come together to become a servant. Come in the name of Christ. Because Christ came to be a servant. One to each other. You don't divide one another. You give to one another. You give in a network of giving. Because you're not going to just help the people in your congregation. Because you have no grace there. You're not going to be saved. If you're saved by grace, how do you get grace? You don't get grace by getting a little congregation and working hard to keep that little congregation together. No. You're looking for people who are seeking the kingdom, not the congregation. And those people, if they will not seek the kingdom, 
if they will not cast their bread upon the waters, if they will not learn to give, even if they're not giving the full amount that they should be giving, at least start in that direction. Ante up. If they will not give regularly, regularly, sacrifice regularly, then they're not coming in the name of Christ and you probably don't want them in your congregation. Now they have some ideological beliefs that are a little bit different than what you learned in Bible school. So what? Christ sat down with sinners, publicans, prostitutes, and preached the kingdom. And we can gather with people and do the same. But as we seek righteousness, those who do not seek righteousness will fall away. They'll want to walk away. They'll want to go somewhere else. This this truth thing will become too much for them. They want to be comfortable. And they're not comfortable with too much truth. They, they, they don't want to just come and lay down their lives for others. Unless the others, you know, match their beliefs. What they have in their tree of knowledge. Their doctors. Their doctors. People said, oh, well, that's... A, I've heard this week numerous times, locally and in the network, where people talk about man-made doctrines and Christ doctrines. If you read the Bible and you know what Christ said... That's a man interpretation of the Bible. That's your private interpretation of the Bible. Now, it may be right. It may not be. I don't know anybody who has it all right. And you say, well, this is how I know because he believes this or he believes this or he believes this. That's not what it says in the Bible. The Bible says you'll know them by their fruits, by what they're doing. Are they gathering with the character of Christ to serve and to sacrifice for others? Or if they don't get their way, they just leave. Oh, I'm not going to gather with you anymore. Because you don't you don't believe what I believe about the law, say. I mean, it tells us about the contentious spirit. Who want to argue about the law. And actually, they may see that you're doing something good. And they'll say, well, I see what you're doing is good, but I don't want to support it. Because you disagree with me about the law. Even though I see what you're doing is good, I'm not going to support it. I'm not going to tie to what I I know you're doing that's good because you don't agree with me about the law. That's a contentious spirit. By definition, I didn't make that up. You're, You're arguing about legal matters and you, but you, you may not even have any argument. You know, because you'll go back to, you know, I feel. This is what I feel. And that's perfectly okay. You can follow your feelings. But where are those feelings coming from? How do you know those feelings are coming from the Holy Spirit? Again, what are you doing? What are these feelings leading you to do? Cause division? To, to uh, you know, ha- has this issue, did you take this issue to the people that you disagreed with? Or did you just disagree, you know, and, and build this disagreement until it's a f- giant festering sore? Until, you know, you don't have enough humility to go back and repent? Well, you know, I don't know. Time will tell. And when it tells you, it may be, it may be that, uh, that uh, terrible day... Uh, where we see tribulation and anguish that they're talking about in Romans 2, 9. So anyway, 
let's move on so we can see more of how we can fix our own ability to vent the truth, to know the truth, to know what is the truth, to know what to do. This goes so complete. It's amazing when you walk in the Spirit. You will know where to be. I mean, right now, God has reached out numerous times to people and said, hey, don't go there. And if they had gone there, they would have been dead. Do this or you're going to die. And you do it and you don't even know why, but there isn't any time to know why and it saves your life. That happens all the time. But people die all the time. Lavoie died. If he was listening to the Holy Spirit, he might not have had to die. I, I think he was a good man. But we're going to find out what you can do so that you don't have to be dying unnecessarily in anguish. We'll be back. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net. back to keys of the kingdom and so we're talking about we're digging deeper i mean people people read our website at hisholychurch.org and net dot uh, org is really the best one to go to uh we keep it up to date we we don't have a lot of sta- staff the the workers are few uh nobody gets paid um everything is poured back in i mean we have been lazy so long in our history that we don't know what it takes to be a free people anymore. We absolutely 
have become totally ignorant as to what it takes to become a free people. I mean, people see this Lavoy shooting and 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 who actually take the time to try to find out what's going on. You won't find out in most of the media. You actually have to go on YouTube and actually listen to the interviews of these men and find out what they're really talking about. And people locally were starting to do this. They were starting to get more and more support. They had a lot of support right away from the beginning because a lot of people in the community have seen the land grabbing going on by the federal government. They don't understand it, but they, they see it and they resist it and, and they, they try to fight against it and they try to cooperate with the government and it just, they keep losing land by the millions of acres every year is going to the federal government and the federal government is putting it up as collateral for a surety of debt so that foreign countries continue to buy U.S. Treasury notes so that your economy doesn't collapse. But it's going to collapse eventually. It's just it's just going to happen. And, and then when it does, you're going to have a lot of anguish and terror. And you're not going to know who to turn to. And you're going to, and, and those people who are deluded into thinking that they have actually uh, repented and believe in Jesus are are going to find themselves in a world of hurt. If you were actually walking in the Spirit. You could walk through the valley of the shadow of death and you would have no evil to fear. Evil would fear you. That's, but the fact is, is people are not putting on the full armor of God. They're just not doing it. And the guys there, I, I can show you not only technically and legally where those guys went wrong in their thinking about the Constitution. They're incorrect about their application of the Constitution. They're correct about the fact the federal government can only own certain lands, etc., etc., and they have to purchase it and all that stuff. That's correct if the Constitution existed in a vacuum. But the Constitution was created in natural law. And you have to understand natural law. It's It's a contract with the states and the federal government. But it's not the only contract. There are other contracts. And they say, well, it's the supreme contract. Yes, it is. But there are other clauses in that. And the contract clause is the one you need to look at. And then the Judiciary Act of 1789, you know, sections, I think, 19. And, you know, I, I make reference to them on the website. And then if you go and read the books like Covenants of the Gods and Contracts, Covenants, and Constitutions, you will begin to put together the pieces of the puzzle. But you haven't been learning these in school. And some of you have gone out and you've read the Constitution and you see injustice and you're trying to find a solution. And I understand that. And there is a solution. But you have to put on the full armor of God because the Bible is giving you, and, and this is where the delusion is, giving you the answer to establishing a government of the people, for the people, and by the people. And for, unfortunately for, for the Bundys, who are probably going to spend the rest of their life in jail, uh, and, and the other people, many of them that were arrested. Now, some of them have already been released, but you know some of those are federal agents. Uh, but the reality is, is they're, they're, they're going to be put through hell. And there's nothing you can do about it. And it's going to get worse and worse and worse and worse. Unless you repent. But you don't even know what to repent of. And we've been covering it. For those of you who go back and 
listen to the series, listen to last week's show that is available to you at the station and the shows before that going way back, and you listen to them in order. You can see that we're, we're following a particular theme, which is the theme of Christ, which was not popular, did not make people feel good. Christ did not come to make people feel good. If you're going to a church that makes you feel good, it's probably not of Christ. Christ came to get you to repent. He came to save people. Are you going to church to save people? Or are you going to church to feel good and pretend that you're saving people because you think a thought? You're saving yourself by a thought, by an idea. You think an idea. You're not really receiving the anointing of Christ because you're still doing stuff that is contrary to the gospel. Christ said, if you want eternal life, keep the commandments. Which means you cannot covet your neighbor's goods. One one guy on Facebook who somebody sent me, you know, they, somebody that's on our Facebook liked it. And so then I, I went and saw it and I made a comment. And he had a he had a video that was very moving. Noble speech, I said. But if we are going to talk about the rule of law. See, he was talking about the rule of law. We need to abide by the whole law. Well, what is the law? I mean, the Supreme Court has the Ten Commandments up there on the top of it. That's the law. The law of nature and nature's God. And the law of God says, Thou shalt not covet. So, if you're sending your kids to the public school, don't talk about the rule of law. Don't pray for justice. Pray for mercy. Because you have already violated the law. Because you coveted your neighbor's goods. The blood of your neighbor. By sending your kids to public school. Finnegan was a good guy. I mean, he raised a big family. You know, I I thought it was amazing when the Indians were complaining about him talking about Indian artifacts. You know, he's born on the reservation. Both his father and mother are from Indian tribes. Uh, You know, that he, he... He's actually, his bloodline involves three Indian tribes. <laughs> because one of his grandfather, great-grandfather, married an Apache also. So, I mean, the guy was an Indian. The American Indians, you don't even know how to stick together. You don't even know how to find out what's going on. Uh, but I also understand, you know, I know the some of the head people in some of these reservations, in the, at least the head medicine men and stuff. But the reality is, they're afraid of the government. They don't. They don't want to buck the government because they are dependent upon them so much. You see, and that's where you lose your freedom, being dependent upon. So, if you're dependent upon the government to educate your children, guess what? Your children aren't your children anymore. Your rights to raise your children are now infringed upon by you, because you chose to turn your children over to benefactors to exercise authority. Take away from your neighbor to provide you with free education. Because you didn't want to educate your children yourself. Why didn't you want it? Because you're not following the Holy Spirit. That's evidence that you're not following the Holy Spirit. Because you're coveting your neighbor's goods through the agency of government to provide you with free education at the point of a gun. You're the terrorist. Because that that school is supported by somebody pointing a gun at your neighbor and forcing them to contribute... To give their contribution, they call it a contribution, but don't give it and see what happens. You see, 
you're already abandoned the rule of law. You have chosen to covet your neighbor's goods. Finnegan also raised a bunch of foster kids. And he probably did a good job. He probably instilled in them a great many values and all this stuff. One value he didn't instill in them. Don't covet your neighbor's goods. Because he was paid money to take those children by the government who exercises authority. So he already abandoned the rule of law. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not criticizing him as an individual. I think he's probably a great guy. But I would have told him all this stuff if he sat down with me. Because as many as I love, I also rebuke. He did not deserve to die. But if you say rule of law, you better not be drinking the blood of your neighbor and eating his flesh. Taking a bite out of your neighbor. We bite our neighbors every day. Every time we seek a benefit of a government who exercises authority one over the other. Christ said it wasn't to be that way with us. And yet you are that way. Now you may have to pay your tally of bricks. But why are you taking the blood and flesh of your neighbor from these benefactors? You should be taking care of yourselves. I can't get you out of your property tax. There will come a day where you have to pay no property tax in America. But most of you will be dead on that day. Probably dead long before that day. But, and there's nothing I can do about it. Except for preach the gospel of the kingdom. Right now, I'm telling you. You're taking a bite out of your neighbor every day. Every day you take a benefit from men who exercise authority one over the other. You abandon Christ. You're rejecting Christ who said it is not to be that way with you. It is that way with you, so you are not a follower of the way. You see? You want to come alive again. You have to repent of coveting your neighbor's goods. You, In order to do that, many of you are going to need help. Now, I'm not saying stop taking your Social Security check. I'm saying repent, turn around, let's start going the other way. Gather together and take a portion of your Social Security check and help one another. Because in a very short period of time, your Social Security check is not going to buy your groceries. It's not going to pay your rent. It's not going to get you through. But then again, you're not gathering to save yourself. You see, the reason you're in this vulnerable position is because you wanted to save yourself. The only people that should be gathering together are people who want to save others. If you're collecting Social Security and you're an elderly person, you've already lived your life. Look at the grandchildren of your neighbors or your own grandchildren. What are you doing for them? Are you showing them? Are you demonstrating the ways of Christ to them? Are you showing them the importance of sacrificing for one another to them? No. You got your check. You're cool. I mean, you won't even give up your TV. You won't give up even some of the slightest of comforts. An extra cup of coffee a week. And take that money and give it in a network that is trying to bring people back to the ways of Christ. Where we are dependent upon the ways of Christ. Which means that we we are going to gather together in the ways of Christ, which is the ways of service one to another, in patient continuance. 
in well-doing for the glory and honor and immortality and eternal life, not of us, but of others. Setting an example of humility, sticking to the program Christ laid down for us. Not being that contentious who obey not the truth, but follow their feelings. Even though their feelings betray one another. Backbite. Falsely accuse. And when they find themselves falsely accusing, do they repent? Do they confess? You know, I went through in programs past, and you can go find them, you know, uh, you know where we talk about addiction. You preparing you. I think I've posted some of those on our page about addiction. Every congregation should be following some of those 12 steps of AA. And we've had whole programs on this that talk about how, how that relates to what the early church was doing. Because see, you're addicted to sin. You're addicted to sin. You don't even know it's sin and you're addicted to it. If you're coveting your neighbor's goods, if you're praying to men who call themselves benefactors to obtain benefits at the expense of your neighbor, you're eating the blood and flesh of your neighbor. And they talk about this all throughout the Old Testament and you'll almost never hear it from your tickle ear preachers. You know, that we'll, let's build us a city, a corporate nation. And we'll be you know, which will be our cauldron and we be the flesh. We all have one purse. We look privately for the blood of our neighbor through this system of government. This is all contrary to Christ, contrary to God, contrary to the ways that the tree of life would lead you to. You would know it already. Some of you are getting the glimpse of it because you're already beginning to experience the anguish. You haven't experienced anything yet. Christ said... Unless you drink my blood and eat my flesh, you have no salvation. So people, the zombies have reduced this down to taking a little wafer of bread and sticking it on their tongue. They don't even get the wine anymore. The priest gets the wine. I don't know, Catholic, Episcopalian, Jehovah Witness, whatever. They all have this. You know, some of them will get grape juice, a little tank. You know, the Eucharist of Christ used to be sacks of bread to keep people alive during famine and starvation. In America, in the world today, you have never been close to massive, massive billions of people starving. You've never been closer to it. And yet your government is talking about weather change and there will be climate change. It's not caused by man. It's caused by the sun. And Jesus said, look, for signs in the sun and the moon and the stars. And we're seeing those. And they're seeing them. And they're preparing with your money. But they're not preparing for you. They're preparing for those who obey them. And you're not preparing at all. How do you prepare? Repent. It's not about buying gold and silver and stocking up a bunch of food to save yourself. Because you do that, you're not, you're not coming in the name of Christ. Now, I'm not against you doing that. I'm not against you learning to grow a garden and and gathering seeds and all that stuff. That's great individually. But if that's all you're doing, if half of your energy is not spent trying to save other people, 
I mean, we're going to need to save thousands, millions of people. Not just everybody who's afraid and starving and hungry, but those who have repented. How will we know who they are? Well, we're finding out already. What are they doing? Are they following the ways of Christ or not? If we as a people are tyrants over our neighbor, how can we expect anything short of tyranny over ourselves? If you're looking for a strong man like Mussolini or Hitler, you will find him. And he will rule over you. And he will, he will devastate your nation. And unfortunately, many Americans are doing that. And really, there is no choice. I, I don't really see any choice. I, I don't trust any of those choices. I don't believe there's any salvation in voting. I think there is salvation in a votive offering where you begin to lay down your life for others in a network that is bound together only by love, which was what the early church was doing. We are tyrants if we force our neighbor to pay for our health care. We are tyrants if we force our neighbor to pay for our child's education. We are tyrants if we force our neighbor to pay for the care of our aged parents and the indigent of our society. Was this not written from the beginning? Were you not told from the beginning? If you have needs, if your neighbor has needs and you have two coats, share. Do the same in meats and food. But there won't be enough. Everybody's going to go on a crash weight loss program one of these days. Right now, you don't know how to be a free people. Thou shalt not covet is a part of the law. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's goods is a part of the rule of law. If that is not written in your heart and your mind, you will not be free. And you should not be free. You should be under tribute. And you should pay that tribute. You do not get out of the system with paperwork. You get the system out of you and they'll kick you out. That's what the, the, the Jews, the Israelites, shouldn't say Jews, in this case it was Israelites back in Egypt, were cast out of Egypt. Because they began to take care of one another and that scared the ruling class. They didn't want that contagion because they were becoming not zombies, but learning to love one another. They were, they were gleaning in the field. That's where they are. They are the people of the field for their straw, for their benefits. They were taking care of one another. They didn't need the benefits of the benefactors to exercise authority. They were eating of the flesh and blood of Christ, which is charity and love for one another, willingly sacrificing for the well-being of one another. They were not looking for their own comfort. They were seeking to comfort one another in righteousness because they were listening to the spirit of the comforter, the anointing of Christ. That's what they were doing. And that is what saved them. And it took a long time to do that. Now, a whole generation had to die out before they could even find a promised land. The promised land is everywhere. 
It's wherever you tread by the faith of Abraham. Do you tread by the faith of Abraham? Or are you coveting your neighbor's goods? Or do you want the benefits of government? Then you will have the tyranny of government. And you should. I don't want that government to go away right now. You're not ready. I don't, I, I don't want to get you out of the government. I want to get you into the ways of Christ. And you are addicted to thinking that you're a Christian even though you're still taking the benefits of those benefactors, those fathers of the earth. You have to call them father in your heart and in your mind and in your actions in order to get their benefit. You have to look to them, pray to them, apply to them to get their benefits. They are the way of Cain. The way of Nimrod. Go look, read our articles. Nimrod. Find out what they were doing. What was wrong with Babylon? There's Babylon. Depending upon the force in others. No, this is all about free will, choice. uh, Choosing to help one another. Do whatever you think you can help with. You have to do it. But you have to do it in an organized fashion and the Spirit will organize you. The spirit of evil will divide you. It will separate you. Over contentions about the law. About, you know, what you believe as doctrine, teachings. It will not be based on love for one another. It will be based on, you know, what you... you Like I said, Jesus did not come to make you feel comfortable. He made people feel very, very, very uncomfortable. But he was bringing them to the cause of their addiction. And we'll talk a little bit about that addiction. Single factor that's at the core of all addictions is trauma. What's, What's trauma? Trauma is something that knocks you off balance. Emotional loss as a child, uh, uh, in, in in a severe case, addicts, uh, uh, a large-scale population study show that there's a, a significant childhood trauma, such as family violence, addiction in the family, sexual, emotional abuse, physical abuse, parent being mentally ill or put in jail, or just, you know, they just die. You know, uh, you know, a mother uh, goes through a trauma, you know, in a divorce. Uh, you know, or all kinds of things, you know. And she may be adjusting, she may be doing her best, but she has traumatized her child. And not blaming her because it may, her divorce may not entirely be her fault. It is always partially your fault. I mean, you chose to marry whether it's husband or wife, it's always partially your fault. The Holy Spirit didn't lead you to marry that individual. You weren't following the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not leading you into trouble. It's leading you away. But you're not always following that Holy Spirit. And it may be due to the fact that you were addicted to certain things because of trauma your parents faced. The sins of the parents are visited upon you. And unless you repent, you will be led into more and more trouble. So, always the problem is you. 
Now, that's not saying other people are not participants in that problem or contribute to it. But the problem, why you could not handle it, is because you've turned your back on some truth about you. And that's instantly forgiven as soon as you begin to turn around, which is what we call repenting. Repenting is turning around, changing your thinking. But how do you do that? Because this addiction, this, this trauma, has created a rut in your thinking that you keep falling into it. Push the button and you fall into it. We have to be very careful about this. Pushing, having these buttons that can push you into a pattern of action and reaction. Now, people saw, you know, who are watching the videos of Mr. Lavoie getting shot. You know, that some people saying he went for a gun. Well, it, actually, to me, I, I looked at it numerous times. I looked at it in blow-ups. It's not very clear, and it's too early to tell. He may have been going for a gun. But he may have been shot and been going for the bullet hole. It appears that he's staggering almost immediately. He was clearly putting his hands out. He wasn't charging anybody. There was nobody in front of him. He was circling away and drawing the fire away from the car, which had already been fired at. The, the truck had already been fired on. And he was trying to draw people uh, the, their attention away. Shoot me instead of them. He's trying to save them. This is the character of the guy. He's, he's that kind of guy. You, you listen to him. You get to know him. Uh, he's that kind of guy. So, But it's too early to tell. But the, the thing is, is that you can get angry at what you're seeing. And, you know, some people see this and they, they just say, oh, well, he's a radical guy going for his gun. And they, that's what they see because that's what they want to see. Because they're, they're not interested in the truth. They're interested in being justified in what they've already decided. And other people who already decided that these are good guys, they're going to see what they want to see. But what you have to see is the truth. And you have to see the truth not just about him, but about yourself. And if you get angry at what you see, the same as people got angry at what they saw other people see, you become a zombie too. It's, you're going to be bit by the zombie and your anger is going to take over and you're not going to see the truth and you're going to be led by a spirit of anger and resentment and you will become a zombie too. Don't be bit by the anger bug. Let's find out how we can become immune. Always in these stories, vampire stories, whatever, there's always somebody in the plague stories, there's somebody who's immune, doesn't seem to get the disease. Even radioactivity, they, they seem to be safe from that. Why? Let's, let's explore that. Because we love one another, right? And we want to know the answer. We'll be right back. So, welcome back to the Keys of the Kingdom. So, what, what is this addiction to thinking that makes us a zombie in the zombie apocalypse? How do we become living souls filled with the Holy Spirit? Because that's your, that's your armor. You see, if you, if you covet your neighbor's goods, 
that armor is gone. Now you have a huge button. They can push, control, string. They, they've got tied to you and they can control you. They can create fear. They can create anxiety. They can get you to do crazy, crazy things. You know, like 18-year-old kids can't uh, ask their neighbor to shovel their walk when the snow comes for pay. They can't do that in New Jersey without getting a $450 permit. To ask the people on their street, you know, if you need your walk shovel, just call us and we'll come and do it. And we do it for so much an hour. Free choice. Free enterprise. And and it's only a storm, so that it's not a career choice or anything. It's not a big business coming in with bulldozers and stuff. It's neighbors. But they can't do that. The police come to their door and say, you can't do that without paying this $450 fee. Crazy. Absolutely Crazy. You know, I mean, kids with lemonade stands. They're stopped. You can't have a lemonade stand. And, you know, a lot of times this comes about because neighbors complain. Uh, why? Because they're zombies already. They they can't think straight. They, they, don't, they don't even get it. They don't encourage independence. As a matter of fact, they discourage independence and initiative. They do this in school all the time. Somebody just sent me a thing the other day where the teacher uh, is complaining about the child signing their name in cursive writing. You've been warned, she says on the paper. They are not to sign with cursive writing. You have a child that actually, you know, studies have shown that cursive writing actually helps develop the intellect. But the school is actually forcing kids not to learn cursive writing. That's crazy. It's insane. It's a zombie apocalypse. They don't teach history. They don't know history. So they're doomed to repeat it. And so anyway, we've gone over that. So now, now look at the, the traumas everywhere. You know, uh, the child is, is being threatened and punished by a teacher because they did what their mother taught them to do. They... The whole point of uh, this, the, the new math and the, the new core curriculums that are coming out is to distance the children even farther from their parents. I mean, just sending your kids to school is going to distance your children from your parents and your grandparents. It's, it's going to do that. I mean, it's by its nature, it's going to do that. It's distancing them from the idea that thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's goods. It's just overlooking that. And it's bringing the people more and more into sin and confusion. And they will become more and more unjust because they're, they're being exposed to the virus that's causing the zombie apocalypse, which is selfishness. That selfishness is okay. We're going to do that selfishness. And they turn a blind eye to it. And you can you can argue with them, you can beat them, you can do all those things, but it, it doesn't work. You have to immerse yourself in the Spirit and let the Spirit take over. In order to do that, you have to deal with your own trauma, your own personal addictions, your vanity, thinking you can fix it. All these things are ingrained in you, in your, in your human mind. It has developed over the, your lifetime 
through the impact of environment. They call it, that's what they call it, the impact of environment. Trauma. Your teachers were unfair with you. Something else was unfair with you. I had, I led a pretty, pretty decent life, had a pretty decent parents. I'm not saying I wasn't traumatized at all. Certainly I was. You know, I, heck, I went to parochial school. I was raised by penguins. <laughs> if those of you who saw the Blues Brothers know what I'm talking about. You know, the black and white union of Catholicism. Nuns. Um, and there was some serious trauma. I mean, I saw kids lifted up out of their seat by their broken arm <laughs> and shook like a rag doll. Uh, you know, I mean, right next to me. Uh, there's just trauma. Because there's trauma in these people, they're going to pass their trauma on to you. Their drama becomes your drama, your trauma. <laughs> but anyway, genes are turned on and genes are turned off by these traumas. And you are weakened. Your development is weakened. This is why a whole generation had to die out. Now, they were... They were set free and they lived in the desert and they traveled about, the Israelites. But ultimately, the whole generation had to die out. And a new generation had to live by this faith, hope, and charity, by these free will offerings in a voluntary network that cared about one another. Or they would die. It's just hard life. You know what they faced? The fire and brimstone, the famine, the starvation, which began to teach them how to take care of one another. That's why God hardened the heart of the Pharaoh to keep them there in the system where they had to pay their tally of bricks, but now they had to glean in the field at night for their straw. They had to learn to take care of one another while paying the taxes to the Pharaoh. That was hard. And then they had to do it during economic, geological and astronomical plagues, disease. Anthrax was believed to be one of the diseases. Frogs. All kinds of pestilence coming about in a very localized area. But still came about. And then finally the death. where just th- Thousands died mysteriously. And there's an actual logical reason even for that once you understand what was really going on then, and we're not going to get into that. But the point is, you're going to face those plagues. And worse. Far worse. Far worse than anything. The whole world would perish. The whole world would perish. But now, I don't say that so that you try to save yourself, because if you try to save yourself, you've already, you're already dead. You're dead to the Spirit that has to guide you. And you're, you're no use to us. You have to repent of this selfishness, trying to save yourself. When, when there's trauma, the circuitry in your physical brain is impaired. And there's all kinds of trauma. But the, these circuits are actually disconnected or connected and, or misconnected. Uh, and it has to do with things like dopamine, and we, we we have whole things on the mind and how the mind works and all this kind of stuff. But of course, this tree of knowledge. I'm talking about how do you spiritually overcome this and correct the circuitry? You literally have to be born again. 
your fleshly mind has to be born again. And it's amazing the body can actually do this. And you, you need the support of the environment in order to accomplish this. And so what happened to the Israelites? They left Egypt. They removed it. Of course, they were already actually in a, in a part of Egypt that was a little bit isolated anyway. And so they had their community. And their community was already leaving Egypt before the plagues even began. And they began to operate this other way. They were leaving Egypt in spirit and in, in mind and in deed. And according to Romans, according to Paul... Those deeds had to be in patient continuance of taking care of one another through faith, hope, and charity in the perfect law of liberty. That's what they had to do. To turn on genes in their minds and in the minds of their children. So we're talking about a network of people that are actually living by home health, home education, home uh, businesses, Making, you know, everybody should be starting businesses that are somewhat recession-proof. I could list you off a bunch of them, but I'm not going to do that. We'll do that on the network. Those people who just want to listen to the radio, well, they can just keep listening to the radio. But those people who want to actually start those deeds that Paul was talking about. You see, Paul was talking to a network of people that were no longer getting the Corbin of... of uh, Judea, they were no longer getting the Corbin of Rome, the social welfare of Rome, which was called Corbin also. I mean, it was one of the names. We call it free bread and circuses. But they were taking care of one another through faith, hope, and charity. But you always had these doctrinal people who said, no, you got to do, you got to look like a Jew, you got to walk like a Jew, you got to act like a Jew, you need your prayer cloth, you need your, your hammocka, and you need to get circumcised and all this stuff. And Paul's saying, no. No, that, those, are, those are symbols. The Pharisees do those things, but they do not do the things of Christ. What are the things of Christ? They come together in love for one another. And I tell you, if any amongst you be evil or not repentant, or we're all evil, uh, not repenting, not willing to see the truth, the more truth you see, the more they will want to leave. Until they're willing to see the truth. You will drive the evil out of your midst. Not because they don't agree with your doctrine. But because they don't agree with your righteousness. We are supposed to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Not the kingdom of God and his uh, written down, paraphrased, itemized, secularized doctrine. But simply righteousness. Righteousness is not believing an idea. Righteousness is, is the deeds of righteousness. Where's your daily ministration? Where do you take care of your needy through faith, hope, and charity and the perfect law of liberty? If you don't do that, you ain't there. And you don't, you're not doing that, so you ain't there. But that's okay because you're supposed to be seeking that. So now you know where we're going. Now how do we get there? You keep falling back into your old addictions. Think this way. Think that way. Get this idea, which is all ideology and idolatry. You have to actually care about one another enough to, in conti- patient continuance, be there for one another. You can't leave. 
You have to stick it out. You know, I had a dog for years that was, you know, it was born here. And it was the last of a litter. And nobody wanted it. It was stupid. It was a dumb dog. <laughs> it could not. It was a border collie. But it was brain injured or something. We knew it. And we kept him for years. He was no good in the field. No, no good. I mean, he was he was mentally damaged. You know, that's all there was. It was probably at birth, oxygen starved or something. But he was mentally damaged. He had a fairly good disposition. So we kept him. And we fed him. I, th- I can't imagine how much food I put to that dog. But it was our responsibility. That was the life that was put before us. And in a congregation, these are the lives that are put before you. If you cannot take care of them like your own children. I mean, you have a child that's born, you say he's born autistic. What, you, you get rid of him? No. That's, that's what you've been given. Can he be healed? Yeah, actually he can be. And But he has been given you to heal you. And that's what you have to do. Families where the parents are overly stressed or aren't able to emotionally present uh, with the children uh, or be present with the children in, in, in a stable way in the case of especially very sensitive children can interfere with their brain development and set them up for addiction. Set them up for alcoholism and drug addiction. Because their parent was extremely stressed during certain periods of their development because the child was a very sensitive child. Now, sensitive children have a role to play. But, you know, all the children aren't born the same. Each one has different gifts, and that sensitivity is a gift, but it's also a curse. And if the parent or single parent, say, like going through divorce, is under tremendous stress, it will circuit, it will create circuits in that child's brain that will tend to lean them towards addiction. And, of course, one of the addictions is alcohol. Another addiction is sex. Another addiction is uh, judgment. Judgment is an addiction. Judging others. And so they, they, they are likely to create, be fall prey to religious doctrines that give you a sense of self-justification because I believe this, I believe this, I believe this. And you'll become pharisaical in your beliefs. And it's because you are stressed, heavily stressed by the presence of the stress in your mother or your father. When you were growing up. Or maybe in both of them. Maybe they were fighting amongst each other. And this actually rewires your brain. Turns genes off. Turns genes on. Some of those genes are turned on to protect you. Some of them are turned off to protect you. Some are just turned up because of that, you know, uh, impact of the environment. But all that can change. But you have to follow the ways of Christ. You have to follow the ways of forgiveness. You can't be self-righteously judging others. Because they don't do what you do. Because see, that's that's an addiction. You're falling into that addiction. You need to be moved. See, the Holy, you need to be addicted to the Holy Spirit. And you will see a different pattern develop in your life. 
But in order to do that, you must see... (coughs) (coughs) Excuse me. In order to overcome those addictions, you must begin to live a different way. Experience a different way. Serve people. Forgive people. You know, one of the things that is is slipping out is, is people are talking about using a particular drug, I guess... Lindsay Lohan or somebody uh, used this Ahusek uh, uh, which is you know a derivative from South American plants and you mix it up and everything and it's a hallucinogenic and Graham and another other people are promoting it and all this kind of stuff and they're saying how it changes their whole life you know Lindsay Lohan was she, she constantly thought she was constantly thinking and she could never stop thinking and this this Drugs helped her do that. A psychotropic drug helped them to do that. Well, that's there's huge side effects. I mean, you can die from this stuff. Uh, and and actually, it, it is even creating a, what the French would call a petite morte, a little death. It's 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 causing a lobotomy. And it's it, it can which can cause a heightened sense in other areas where all of a sudden something streams in because it's trying to reroute itself, and they they call it psychedelic. It's it's very dangerous. It's you don't need drugs, you don't need psychotropic drugs, in order to reach this state of the Holy Spirit guiding you. You you need repentance. God will change your mind. He will he will fix it. He will turn on the DNA and turn off the DNA in accordance. But you, Christ is showing you a way of waiting upon the Lord. That's meditation. Fasting from your own willfulness. Not my will, but thine will. Coming to serve others is going to lead you to that. So every congregation is an AA meeting. To help remove these spiritual addictions, these physical traumas from your mind and your heart. And without forgiveness, without confession, I mean, it's absolutely, if you do wrong to somebody, you absolutely, it tells you in AA, you have to actually go to that person and say, I did wrong to you. I said something about you that was not true. And you have to go and you have to announce that before others. That I have done wrong. Not for their sake. Although in some ways it is because you may have traumatized them. And it's likely you did in many ways. And then they've been bitten by your disease. And now they're becoming a zombie like you were when you did this wrong thing. Because you should have known not to do that wrong thing. But you were already a little bit of a zombie. But you have to do that confessing as a part of your cure. It's absolutely essential that you do that as a part of your cure. You're doing it a little bit for selfish reasons. But it, you, it, doesn't, it can't be solely selfish reasons. You must want the cure because you want to help others. So, uh, one emerging way of treating addiction... That some that that does seem to address uh, this lived experience of addicts, past experience of trauma, 
is this this process that we see with the AA. Although I see doctors now suggesting this psychedelic assisted psychotherapy. Uh, that's not true. Don't fall for that. You don't need that. You need repentance. But you need a congregation of people to support you in that. And the congregation needs you, needs your weakness, needs your failing, needs your trauma to help teach them how to care for you. I mean, I don't know a single one of our congregation that isn't full of people that are suffering from trauma. Because I don't know, I don't know anybody who's not suffering from some sort of trauma. I don't know anybody who hasn't got some sort of obvious, blatant addiction to things that make them feel good. And, and feeling good, it's all, you know, pain and, and pleasure is a battle between this release from pain. Just the same as one of the traumas, it may not be that bad things happened to you, but good things didn't happen to you. You didn't get the bike. Trauma. You were counting on the bike. You were greedy for the bike. You wanted the bike. You hoped for the bike. And I, I know one of the traumas that I had is I wanted this electric train. I wanted that like, And I got it. That was a trauma. Because I realized it didn't make me happy. <laughs> things, getting things, was not making me happy. And because of that, when I saw people at a discount table, I could see what was really going on there. I could see the vulture spirit coming out of them. You know, I can see these things now because I was willing to see them about myself. And so this is the environment of a congregation. Is to deal with the digging deeper in the souls of each of us. People think, oh, well, I'll read this stuff and I'll join this group and I will eventually become free soul under God as I'm, you know, because this church, this group, this congregation is going to do. If it's going to do you any good at all, it's going to take you down to the depths of your own soul. It's going to bring you back face to face with your personal traumas and what they have led you to, whatever addictions they are. It is it is going to strip away all the 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 falsities that you've hidden your trauma underneath. When Adam and Eve committed their sin, first thing they did is hide. They tried to cover their nakedness. They didn't want to be seen because they didn't want to see their trauma of their disobedience. The road back to liberty under God is the road that takes you back to see your own trauma. See your selfishness. See your sloth. See your vanity. And the best way to do that is a congregation that is bound by love for one another. And a congregation of men and women who are patient in continuance. Who do not abandon one another. But seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness by taking care of one another. 
in faith, in hope, and in charity. And there is lots of opportunity for that. Every congregation should be engaging in charitable acts outside of their congregation. And unless they do that, we will not meet, we will never meet in the kingdom of God. But until then, peace on your house. And may God be with you. God bless. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net.